John 3.16 that we just talked about sums up the story. Later, John unfolds it or unpacks it just a little bit more for us. I want to invite your attention to look with me in 1 John. There are three letters bearing John's name close to the end of the Bible. Just before you get to Revelation, you'll find the three little letters that were written by John. Look in 1 John. And instead of 3.16, we're going to look at 4.16, but we're going to start at verse 12. 1 John 4, we're going to start at verse 12. There was a small college that didn't have much of a budget for a fine arts department. And so the drama professor uh, had a, what was really kind of, kind of probably a bad practice, but instead of ordering enough scripts for everyone, he would order one script to save money. And then he would cut it into pieces. And he would give this actor his lines, and he'd give this actor her lines, and he'd give these stage directions to the, the, the folks who are doing all the stage stuff. And that way it would save him money. And then as they began the rehearsal, it was just chaos. They, nobody understood when to move or what to say and how it flowed. They didn't get it. And so he said, all right, everybody just sit down and I'm going to read the play for you from beginning to end. And they took one entire rehearsal just sitting as he read the play from beginning to end. And then almost in unison, they said, oh, now we understand. Now we get it. And they were able to perform a beautiful play. 1 John chapter 4, verses 12 through 16 is John's way of saying to us, Little children, sit down and listen. And let me just read you from the beginning to the end the whole story so that you can understand it, so you get the big picture. Instead of grabbing one verse from this book and another verse from that book and trying to throw together a kind of a cut and paste version of the story, John says, let, let me just tell you what's going on. And so we have in 1 John chapter 4 at verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Understand the, the power of that word, that verse. No one has ever seen God. We understand that. We get that part. God is higher. God is greater. God is... God is too far beyond the human experience for us to be able to see him, to comprehend him. He is too great for our minds to understand. Therefore, he doesn't reveal himself in a physical, full way because we couldn't handle it. So we've never seen God. And yet, even though we've never seen him, we can be intimately related to him because he says 
if you really learn love, then God abides in us. What does it mean to abide? You come over to my house, you'll be welcome. If I like you, I'll give you Dr. Pepper. We'll sit and visit. Eventually, it's going to be time for you to go home. Why? Because you're a guest. When I'm at my house, I have my chair, my remote, my food. And at the end of the day, I don't have to go home because I'm home. It's a difference between visiting and abiding. Too many folks substitute visiting God for really being related and abiding with him. You see, we were never called to show up to a special building once a week and then say, we're Christians. John says, if you learn what love really is, then God will abide within you. Make his home in your life. And folks, that is the story. At the beginning of the book, God and man walk together. They abide in the same place. But then man says, I think I'd like to be God. And he rebels. And because of his rebellion, he is separated from God. And the rest of the book is solving that problem of man being separated from God. There is a tabernacle in which God says, I'll meet you here in this tent if you'll obey me. I'll be here to meet you. Later, he builds a tent. They build a temple under his direction. And he says, now this is where I'll abide. And if you'll obey me, you'll be welcome here to meet with me here. But then eventually, because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ, he says, now I'm going to take up a new abode. I'm going to abide in you. You now will be my temple. That's the story. God with us, Emmanuel. From the beginning, he wanted to be with us and he has provided a way in the person of Jesus Christ in order that now he can be with us and more importantly, we can be with him for all eternity. It's all right there in verse 12. Look at verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. That's how he abides in us. His Holy Spirit is here within. Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. How did this happen? How now can... He abide in us. How? Because he sent his son to be the savior of the world. 
At Christmas, we remember God so loved the world, He sent His Son. But why? He sent His Son to be born and laid in a manger in Bethlehem so that eventually He could be laid on a cross in Jerusalem. He came to die because it was that death that paid the penalty that caused the separation. By paying the penalty now, he can abide with us and we with him again. And so he says, we have seen, verse 14. And remember, this is John who's speaking, so he means it literally. I have seen with my very own eyes and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God, Emmanuel. God with us. And then look at 16, the power verse of this paragraph. Look, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Notice that first part of that verse, we have come to know and to believe. Two different things, aren't they? They're two different things. Don't misunderstand the reality of faith. Faith is not knowing the facts. We do our children a disservice if we ever make it seem like that to them. If we ever tell our children, here are the facts you need to know to be a Christian. Come to class, I'm going to teach you, and once you learn the facts, then you're a Christian. That's only half. That's probably not even half. He says we know and believe. It is when we take the facts in our brain and we accept them into our cells, into our hearts, and, and, and we actually believe to the point that we're willing to put our lives in the hands of Jesus Christ himself. That's belief. That's where it happens. And so he says, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. You have heard your entire life that God loves you. You know it. But do you really believe it? Or are you like most people? who say, I know, he, I know he loves me, but I also know, I also know the real me. I know I'm messed up. I know I'm broken. I know I'm not like the other people at the church. I know I'm not as good as my mama was. I know the real me. And so I know he can't really love me the way he loves others. Did you know that most people 
feel that way, believe that? Have you ever moved beyond knowing that He loves you to actually experiencing that love in a personal way? You can find that love more than the fact, but the experience. You can find it because Emmanuel, God with us, He abides with us and we with Him. Because Jesus came to demonstrate that love and more importantly to bring that love to us. John 3.16 is a great verse. And I would encourage you to spend some time with that again one of these days soon. But also, let me give you another challenge. Instead of John 3.16, take some time and have some fun with scriptures and go through and find all of the other 3.16s. You'll be amazed at the message that you hear in all of the other 3.16s in the Bible. For example, since we're in 1 John, look again at 1 John 3.16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This is how we know love, that he laid down his life for us.